0: I used to think when I started down this path that democracy was old white guys in politics in Washington, D.C. No, democracy is actually a system of leadership. It's a style of leadership.
1: Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. Welcome back, everybody, to the Selling the Love podcast. I'm so excited to bring a returning guest today. We got Tracy Fenton around World Blue, the founder, creator of World Blue, also the author of Freedom at Work. And this is gonna be the topic we're gonna to be discussing today. Of course, we talk about sales. We always talk about entrepreneurship as well, but how do you become much more impactful in the way that you operate your business, that you do your sales? Looking at a lens of freedom, and how does that even translate into strategy and how you operate your business as well? We're gonna go into conversations on how actually these frameworks have been at the foundation of how I've shaped my organization, how it's been shaping world-class organizations to grow faster and to apply these things that, spoiler alert, being more human with your team in a very healthy way actually supports growth. We have the data, we have some research, and we have some techniques. And I'm so excited to be having this conversation with Tracy. Tracy, welcome back to the show.
0: Jason, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh my God. So we go way back. I think you're one of my first five guests on the show. And just as a little self pat, you know, we're over 400 episodes now and we've had amazing guests and you were one of the people kicking off. So I just maybe want to start with a thank you.
0: Oh, well, it's an honor. And it's just been so incredible to watch just the meteoric rise of your wonderful podcast. You deliver such fabulous content. It's a joy and honor to be on the show, Jason. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you for that as well. So I want to dive right into it. So what I find very interesting is the word freedom itself, right? You know, the first thing I think about is like, you know, the bald eagle America freedom. And it's like, I'm trying to understand How did you get into a place where you start realizing, hey, maybe freedom is this thing that people need more at work because it seems like we're in in an environment that most people are thinking, no, we need to actually like whip the staff back into shape. Everybody's coming back from working from home and they have to come into the office and that seems to be the narrative. And you come out and you're talking like, actually, there's something about freedom we need to pay attention to. What's going on here?
0: That's absolutely right. People need to understand that Freedom equals growth. And when we're in control and when we're trying to control people and micromanage and surveil everything, that sense of heaviness comes over people and it stops them from being able to be innovative, to care, to open up, to engage. And so when we talk about the word freedom, I mean, Freedom's a big word. It's kind of like, how do you define the word love, right? I mean, that's going to be different for every single person, right? Selling with love. How do you define love? How do you define what freedom is? And I think every person needs to find their own answer for that. And for me, it all started back when I was in elementary school. Jason and I knew that I wanted to help people realize their fullest potential. And I used to meet kids out on the schoolyard when everyone would go and play kickball. I grew up in Iowa, everyone would go play kickball. I would take one-on-one appointments with kids by the back fence, and I would be counseling them on how to live their fullest potential. And here's the deal, like you can't realize your fullest potential in an environment of fear. You can only realize your fullest potential in an environment of freedom. And we are living in a world right now that is all about fear. I mean, it's just everything is fear, 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 fear. And that's why we see people so stressed out, so anxious, drug use, all these things that are going up and up and up because we don't have a sense of freedom. And I think that freedom has to come from within. And you know, in the work we've talked about together in the past, I think it starts with the right mindset. You know, how do we have a a mindset of freedom over fear? And then how do we lead ourselves and others from a place of freedom rather than trying to create fear and control? And the only reason we create fear and control is because of that sense of uncertainty and because we don't have the tools to know how to overcome that fear that grips us. I mean, it grips all of us. We all have our moments, right? I have my moments where I'm working on a big project. I'm working on a big project right now, and I have moments where I'm just like, am I the only one like freaking out right now? But you got to have those tools, and we can talk more about that, to overcome and What we need to understand is the end goal is when we have environments of freedom, freedom does not mean laissez-faire. Freedom does not mean a free for all. To actually have freedom requires tremendous personal accountability and discipline. That's how you get to freedom.
1: I'm glad you said that, because that was one of the things I thought about right from the beginning. You actually mentioned that, you know, freedom can actually be defined very differently for different people. And one of the definitions that might come across is like, what am I just supposed to, like, let my leads be free and I should not put in processes to convert them? Or should I just let all my staff do whatever they want? And it sounds like anarchy. How do we make sure that that's not the way it's being interpreted right now?
0: Well, I'm glad you've asked. You know, at my company, World Blue Jason, we have worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of top brands around the world from Zappos to Groupon to WD-40 to... DaVita, HCL Technologies, literally all over the world. And what we've helped them do is implement systems and processes that are based on the principles of freedom and organizational democracy, rather than fear and control. Most entrepreneurs, as they're building their companies because we don't know any better, we just default into that command and control hierarchical way of doing things. I've had entrepreneurs, I was just with a whole bunch of entrepreneurs funded, VC funded in Dallas recently, working with them. And they're like, wow, we never really thought that there's another way, there's another way to go from that hierarchical, I was like, you know, and I don't mean that in sort of this utopian, you know, everyone kumbaya kind of way, but we have to be very intentional about the way we build and scale our companies in order to have the growth. And if you're doing systems and processes that are in that command and control hierarchical way, Ultimately, you're going to hit roadblocks to the growth, and you're creating an environment that's not as engaging for people, and it's not bringing out their fullest potential. So What I've done for 26 years now is work with the best and brightest companies to actually implement systems and processes that shift them from being hierarchical to being much more freedom centered. Well, how do you do that? What's the framework for freedom? The framework for freedom is actually organizational democracy, not organizational hierarchy, organizational democracy. Well, what the heck is democracy? I mean, This is the thing, Jason, right? You and I, just turn on the news. The world's on fire over democracy. You know, what the heck is democracy, right? I spent 10 years researching what exactly is democracy. And I love it when I've traveled all over the world like you, Jason. I'm always asking people, what do you think democracy is? And people, oh, wow, what is this thing that people get so passionate about and so riled up about, you know? Does democracy mean voting? What if you only have one choice, Is that a vote? Is that democracy? You know, they vote in North Korea. They have one choice. You know, is that democracy? No. So democracy isn't voting. I used to think when I started down this path that democracy was old white guys in politics in Washington, D.C. No, democracy is actually a system of leadership, It's a style of leadership, just like there's servant leadership, right? Or there's authoritarian leadership, there's democratic leadership. When you look at the root of the word democracy, demos and crotin, it means power to the people. So democracy is about creating environments that give power to the people. But when we give power to the people, that's not in a selfish way. I mean, who's empowering, right? We ultimately are empowering ourselves. We're finding the power within each one of us. And we have to do that in a way that both respects and values the individual and the collective. So in my research, which I've been very blessed to have it cited by dozens, if not hundreds of academic publications, my own book and whatnot, is that there's 10 principles that create that democratic framework. Principles like transparency, accountability, decentralized power and choice. And when you put those principles into operation as systems and processes, which is what we do that's where you get that skyrocketed growth for companies.
1: Mm. No, I really love this. And now you're taking me back because I know I went through some of your certification trainings. And for everybody, I'll make sure there's a link for you to go and explore World Blue's free tools, et cetera, because there's so many of them that can help you get into this mindset, which you know Tracy has talked about how that's the big first step. And it just allowed me to be a very different kind of leader. And I get to put these tools into practice in organizations that I consult now. But as you're talking about democracy, I have to say, you mentioned democracy and one of the first thing that comes to mind is one of these short videos on TikTok or whatever of Osho who's just talking about democracy and he's like democracy is by the people for the people and then he says but the problem with democracy is that the people are retarded <laughs> And He's like a guru who says that, and it's just such a great mic drop moment, and it's funny. And I find democracy is actually being challenged because a lot of people are like, oh, my God, but so many people that get to vote with this perspective of democracy don't have a full understanding of what they're voting for and an appreciation. So how can democracy work in the workplace when a lot of times we see democracy fail in the way that we understand it today?
0: I'm glad you asked that question. So first of all, when you look at, well, what are the principles that actually create democracy? As I've said in my research, and what we've been able to prove is there's 10 principles. And guess what? The, I think, Jason, is the absolute most important principle of all is the principle of integrity. If you have a system where, yeah, we have transparency. Yeah, we have decentralized power. Yeah, we have all that. But you do not have people who have integrity who have moral courage, who know how to do the right thing. Democracy does not work. It will not work. Okay. So I think the reason, you know, yeah, people like to bash on democracy or people will say to me, yeah, but what about, you know, Winston Churchill said it's, you know, the best, worst form of government out there. But you know what? Winston Churchill and many, many millions of people died fighting for a democracy in World War II. Because I think it is our divine right to be free. But how do you do that? How do you structure it? And I think that's, you know, dare I say, I think one of the biggest contributions that I hope I'm making to the world is actually defining what democracy is. It is not just a singular act. It's actually a system. And so we have to take those principles and put them into operation. But if people as citizens, whether they're citizens of a country or citizens of a company, are not acting from integrity, are not having the moral courage to do the right thing. It will not work. So you have to have all 10 of these principles. And you know, Jason, we have an assessment tool that actually evaluates the level of freedom and democracy in the design of a company. And we show them how to strengthen that. We're the only company in the world that does this that I'm aware of. But it really does come down to us being better people. And right now, like, we need to freaking become better people. (laughs) We have got up our game, in my humble opinion.
1: <laughs> I'll second that in a strong way. And, you know, I love the fact that you're actually bringing a lot more definition to the idea of democracy, because like you said, that's a big, big forgotten aspect of it. And another thing that I think would probably be making a huge difference is like when you're operating as a company, you actually get to choose the people you bring on board. And if you're talking about integrity being one of those core pillars, you can actually hire to ensure integrity is in place. And You actually get to make these decisions based on the level of qualifications of everyone involved. And so as you see this chaos, I know this is a bit off principle, but where do you see the roles of organizations versus like government in helping us navigate these chaotic times right now? Because it sounds to me like organizations have a lot more maneuverability because they get to choose the people to work with.
0: I love that you asked that question, Jason. I love, love, love that you asked that because what I've committed my life work to is I think businesses and leaders are in a position to advance freedom and democracy in the world through the way we run our businesses. Like unfortunately, most governments are very corrupt, (laughs) you know, even the best of intentions, right? But we as entrepreneurs, as business leaders, as CEOs, are in a position to run our companies this way, to create the conditions within our companies that help employees learn how to be better citizens, learn how to be more engaged, how to be better at all these principles of democracy that we're talking about. And that actually is scientifically proven to ripple out to impact our communities. There's been some wonderful research done by Gretchen Spreitzer at the University of Michigan, and she actually studied companies that operate on democratic principles and found that when companies operate this way, they actually increase the level of peace, prosperity, and civic engagement in the community. And so, like, this is not rocket science when I'm talking about what do we mean when we're talking about bringing freedom and democracy into our companies? It's putting practices into place like town hall meetings or having bonuses democratically decided upon or letting employees choose their own manager. These are all just simple best practices that give power to employees that really change the game. In the process as a leader, you're teaching people how to be better people. I'll never forget many, many years ago when I first went to Zappos, which became a client many years ago, and I'm walking around and I'm seeing their core values everywhere. I'm seeing their World Blue Certified Freedoms in our company. I'm seeing how they're operating. And employee after employee kept coming up to me and saying, Tracy, I am a better person because of how I'm learning to be in my workplace. You know, there's not a lot of places nowadays to learn how to be a good person. People aren't necessarily learning it in the family. People aren't necessarily as engaged with religion where you might learn how to be a person of character. And so we're learning. We have to learn that nowadays in the workplace in many ways. And so I beg your listeners, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a CEO, understand the role that you have in helping people be better people. The workplace becomes that educational system for people.
1: to get 50% off that's code selling with love 50 at factormeals.com com slash selling with love 50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. It's so funny. You made me realize very much how it seems like every single pillar of our society is actually in a wobbly state and businesses seems to be the only one that seems to be actually Because their incentives are done in a way that it has to serve a lot more needs, taking care of like, you know, understanding how we grow as individuals and being in that kind of functional society. The business has a full incentive of making that happen. But at the same time, there's the other side, which is very fearful of businesses. And I know you talk about transcending this fear and going into freedom, but. You know, businesses aren't innocent neither, and most operations are not operating with the levels that you're speaking about. And so what should we be doing as far as, you know, if I'm identifying and the way that I'm building my business or the way that I'm doing business with others as partners, et cetera, is this something I can play a role in helping promote more businesses to adopt these principles?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important that leaders are very conscious and intentional about the style of leadership that they're engaging in. And I invite leaders to engage in a democratic style of leadership. If you don't know what that is, learn what it is. We're here to teach. My book teaches that Freedom at Work. There's other people out there that are teaching this style of leadership. So be intentional. I mean, look, Jason, I don't think it's necessarily ideal that people have to learn how to be better people in the workplace, you know? I really believe in the strength of families. I am a spiritual person myself. I go to church. I think that's important. That's where I get peace. That's where I get clarity. But I also think there's an opportunity with eight, 10 hours a day or, you know, that people are spending a third of their life every day in the workplace. Let's at least have a workplace that isn't corrupting people. Let's run our workplaces in a way that people leave better than when they came in, you know, that we as leaders are actually investing in them, becoming better people. Why? Because it does impact the bottom line. It impacts morale. You know, it impacts just the kindness of our day I mean, going about our day, interacting where you're not like pulling your hair out because you're dealing with horrible people. Don't be a horrible person. Learn how to be a person that helps create environments that brings out the potential of every single person. These are the kind of leaders we need in today's world.
1: So... Tracy, one of the things I love the most when I interact with you is this passion that you have about the impact you wanna make. And you know, for those who are listening to the podcast, they're very familiar with the five pillars of selling with love. And the first love you need to have is loving the impact of what you do. Because in any way that you share ideas, sell products, whatever it is that you stand for, you have to start with the impact. And the way that you speak about the difference you wanna make, the vision that you're painting of how we want the world to operate is so vivid and so powerful that I see you be such an advocate for the brand and for the message because you see how it works. And I'd be really curious to understand your experience when you're, you know, you have these amazing companies, you have all this research, there's so much things that support your decision and what you advocate for to make the businesses be more profitable. All of things, it's all wins across the board. But it's not how most people operate still today. And I'm sure when you go and approach an organization that might have not been exposed to this material before, they probably have a lot of resistance to it. And as you said, the world is filled with fear. Uncertainty seems to be high. And it seems like when that happens, you are going to default to your fear and power position and power as in a controlling power position, because you're like, I need cash flows to come in. I need these employees to work harder or else we're going to shut the doors. Like that's a bit of the vibe that I assume a lot of people might be in right now. How do you get somebody to consider these types of principles and ideas when it seems like everything around them is telling them to go into wartime CEO mode?
0: Right. Great question. It starts with one question back, Jason. Which I love to say to CEOs when I'm talking with them, which is this. So, what would you do if you weren't afraid? How would you be handling these problems? How would you be interacting with your customers? How would you be interacting with your employees if you weren't afraid? People go into that war mode, go into panic mode, and we've all been there. I've been there myself when you're afraid. And so, you got to get yourself into a state of Okay. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past. We don't have to go through the whole thing, but I have five questions in my book of how you shift your mindset in seconds from fear to freedom. If you aren't noticing and addressing the way that fear is controlling and impacting your decisions, you'll never get out of it. And I find, Jason, just by shining that spotlight, just by taking that moment to kind of go, gosh, It seems like there's fear calling the shots here right now. What would you do? How would you solve that problem if you weren't afraid? You know, typically I'll see the CEO. They step back. Oh my gosh, if I weren't afraid.
1: I need to interrupt you because for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you won't get to see me and Tracy interact. And for those who are watching on YouTube, depending on how the edits were made, you might have seen that I stepped back and then I started writing this question. What would you do if you were not afraid? Tracy, I'm dealing with some, you know, management issues right now and I've stepped into fear and I asked this question very selfishly and I am taken back to our first episode, which is the power question. And I want to put a link to that. So if everybody hasn't seen the podcast episode that we did in one of those five first ones, this was exactly what we talked about. I forgot it. And I realized that this is such a powerful question to ask, not only as a manager, but also as a salesperson. If you're trying to sell your product and service and you are impact driven. And you can actually ask this question as a pattern interrupt to your prospects, which is like, listen, I'm not forcing you to make any decision on this product, but I'd like to ask you if you were not afraid, what would you do is magic. So I just, I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm usually not someone who would, but I just want to talk about how much of an impact it's just had. The fact that you've mentioned this right now.
0: I love it, man. Bam. Exactly. You're selling to say to a client's, what would you do if you weren't afraid? (laughs) I mean, that's game changing, right? And people, oh my gosh, if I weren't afraid, I'd invest the money and go forward, you know? And it's interesting because I do sales every day, all day, right? Where it's like, on the other side, how would you position your products? How would you price your products, you know, if you weren't afraid? How would you structure things? You get what I'm saying? Like, how would you move forward if you weren't afraid? And I will tell you, Jason, when it comes to selling, when you're in a place where you have developed your product from a place of total freedom and not fear... It is so much easier to sell. It is so much easier to sell. And I can say that because I'm there. It's taken a long time to get there, but we are there. And when we sell, there's no fear because I absolutely know what our product is, what we deliver, the price, the value, boom, done.
1: I'll just elaborate on a little thing I picked up on what you said is that you've finally gotten there. And, you know, somebody who's listening to this might be at the beginning stages of their business and they might be selling a product and service And listening to this episode, they're like, okay, let's fix this now. And then tomorrow I'll be able to sell better. Is this a process that will be that fast? Or do you think that there's a level of patience and things that need to be put in motion? And if that's the case, why would it take so much time?
0: Do you mean in terms of the product they're selling or how they want to sell it?
1: To get to this place where you're released from this fear in the way that you're approaching your business.
0: Yeah, I think it can happen in a moment and I've seen it, I've literally taught this to thousands thousands of leaders around the world. When you ask yourself, what would you do if you weren't afraid, and you find your answer, you've done it boom, it's happened. And I know as an entrepreneur myself, I've been in business for 26 years. As you keep going and as you keep growing, you hit different levels of fear. You're going to keep hitting fears because as you keep challenging yourself to get better and better, there's new fears that are going to come up. And so you have to keep asking yourself this. I mean, I've been asking myself, what would I do if I weren't afraid for 20 years? you know, And it's been a pretty cool journey as a result. And so I think you can get there in a moment. But you but people where they get tripped up, Jason, is when they're so identified with fear, when they've created a sense of identity so much around fear that they can't even detangle themselves from it when their sense of identity comes from the fear.
1: Thank you for that clarification because there's a part of me that was like, okay, I solved this. I'm good. And then I never need to counter this again. And I was like, I don't think that's how my reality works. And I don't think it's how the reality for most works. But understanding that in the moment you ask this question, you can have the instant insight, but you're going to be facing. It's almost like a -a whack-a-mole game as you're pursuing your path. And with that, at least you know where your target is. And it's understanding that you got to release yourself from that fear in the process.
0: But if you don't play the game, like you never get to that next level. If you never whack back, you're just going to stay. Yes, sometimes it's exhausting because you're like, oh my gosh, but hey, this is the journey we signed up for. If you're listening, you're an entrepreneur, you're selling, guess what? This is the journey we signed up for. So you better have those tools to help you and that everything comes back to handling fear. Every single thing comes back to handling fear. Everything, self-worth, self-confidence, where we're taking our companies, how we're getting to the next level, and definitely selling. My gosh. I mean, I remember when I first started off selling Jason way, way, way back when, I used to put on music to pump myself up. (laughs) I didn't have any methods. I didn't know how to sell. I would play the song from Wicked Defying Gravity. I'd be like, okay, okay, I'm not afraid. No matter what they say, I'm just going to say next. If they say no, I didn't know how to do it. But what do you do? You overcome the fear step by step by step. And now I get to work with some of the biggest companies in the world.
1: It's so fantastic. And honestly, I think we can go so deep into this topic, but I'm glad that we've went back to the power question because we talked it from an employee standpoint last time we had a conversation because it was the Superhumans at Work podcast. But as Selling with Love, I am just like having an aha moment of realizing like, wow, every time you're feeling demotivated to pick up that call, every time you're having that hesitancy about following up, Once you start realizing that the fear is what's in the way, and this is actually a very direct application of how I teach my methods as well, because fear, except I use the word love. And do you have a kind of interchangeability around the word freedom and love as well in your kind of methodology? Because to me, I have fear on one side. I have love on the other. You have fear on one side and freedom on the other. And I'd love to hear what are the subtle differences.
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely think when we are, in love and acting from love, there's no fear in love. I mean, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, right? You know, perfect love casteth out fear. You know, there's no fear when we are coming from love, which is why I love what you do so much, Jason. And yes, I do contrast fear with freedom. I think part of the way we get out of fear is through understanding. You know, when we understand what's possible, when we understand what we're capable of, that's how we overcome that fear. And then, you know, for me every day, I'm motivated by my purpose. I'm motivated out of love for my fellow human beings, right, to serve them through the work that we have. You talked about my vision. My vision has always been that I want to see a billion people or more living, leading, and working in freedom. You know, I want to see a whole world. And that to me is love. I feel a democratic style of leadership is the most loving way that we can engage with our fellow human beings out there. Because it's saying, I believe in you. You have a voice. You matter. You're important. Let's create an environment where we can value and respect every single person.
1: There's one of the things you talked about at the beginning which was how mindset is important. And I kind of wanted to ask this question, which is if you're in any position, whether that's sales, maybe as a manager, maybe as an employee, or you're not necessarily the person that is owning the business and running the business. And you feel that within your environment that the leadership might have a reluctance to apply these kinds of principles, even if all the research is there, because it requires some sort of letting go of power or at least the illusion of control. And I don't know if you'd have some prescription or a way for people to feel inspired now that they've listened to this and they're like, wow, I want to go this way, but I feel like I'm going to be stopped as soon as I speak to someone that's going to be responsible for this existence that I have within my work. What would be some of the ways you would suggest for them to move forward so that they can see more of this happen within their organization?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing is they can forget about your managers or bosses or whatever. If you're not in the CEO you know, role yourself or the business... Focus on you showing up as the best democratic leader, freedom center leader, we also say that you can be. You can engage with others in this way. My book, Freedom at Work, I talk all about how the skills, the practical ways to put this into operation so you can have self-government of yourself acting this way. And you know what people tell us, Jason, when they go through our courses is, wow, I came into this thinking this is going to make me better at work. It's made me better at home as well. It's made me a better mom. It's made me a better dad. It's made me a better wife. It's made me a better husband. I mean, it ripples out that way. So focus on you. It's the only thing we ever can control. You can. Now, you've kind of asked me a couple times, and I haven't really got to answer. What is it that allows a CEO, what type of companies and CEOs take this on? And what we've found is people who are secure in themselves and who have high self-worth They wanna create environments where other people can shine. If you have leaders who are insecure in who they are and they're not willing to work on themselves, they're gonna find a freedom-centered style of doing things very threatening to them because it will feel like it's out of control. And ironically, we have things under control, control air quotes, by having democratic systems and processes. Those democratic systems and processes actually do the heavy lifting So that you as a leader, you're not trying to control people. The system and process is giving power to people within healthy boundaries that makes it work. But each one of us as leaders have to become secure in who we are. We have to develop that higher sense of self-worth. When you're secure in who you are, you want to see everybody else flourish. But when you're not, ah, that's when we get threatened by this exact idea that I'm talking about.
1: Tracy, I'm so happy to have you come back on the show. We had such a great conversation and we also have a lot more conversations for those of you who don't know. Tracy is hosting the Freedom at Work Summit, which is happening in Miami on the 28th and 29th of February. And I am so excited that I will actually be the host of this event. So I'll be emceeing it. And so if any of you are going to be in the States or want to come out to this event, because this speaks to your heart, we'll also get a chance to meet. And I would love to have all you listeners come down to Miami and get a chance to connect. So we'll put a link in the show notes so you can discover more about this conference. As Tracy mentioned, there's tons of resources that are free for you to assess, for you to use. And again, one of the biggest takeaways for today, again, there's so much we discuss, but the one that just hit home, and I know I kind of stretched on it, and the beauty is it's in, in its simplicity, which is what would you do if you were not afraid? How do you apply this in so many instances that you want to create that product? You want to go and call that lead. You want to go and hire that person. You try to think of what you would do if you were not afraid and see how much it removes all of the noise in your mind and the chaos in your mind and makes you do that one action that is so aligned with who you are and what you want to create. Of course, always being anchored in love and impact is what I absolutely appreciate. Tracy, before I let you go, there's one question I ask everyone who does come on the show. What does selling with love mean to Tracy?
0: Selling with love to me, Jason, it means acting from your purpose. And when you're coming from purpose, you will always be selling from and with love.
1: Absolutely love it. Tracy, thank you so much for your time. Once again, everyone, this was a fantastic episode. I had so much fun having these conversations and I want to encourage everybody to go down this rabbit hole. It's a platform that I've went to study in myself as I was going through the certification program. For those of you who are fans of Mindvalley, Mindvalley is one of the companies that actually has went through the certification program. You can see all the other organizations that apply these principles and you can see how much success they're having and you can see it's the way that we need to operate. Seeing messages like this that also are so close to my heart, with Selling With Love being just a a little derivative on a specific slice of how to operate, but this is such a foundational work, and I can see how we're raising the consciousness of the planet one business at a time that starts to apply these principles. So thank you for all your work, Tracy, and for all of you listeners, keep Selling With Love and always bring freedom at work. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling With Love podcast.